Well, welcome to First Church. So glad you're joining us for worship here today. In addition to everyone we have here on site, I know we have a whole bunch of people joining us online as well. So if you are here in person, would you put your hands together? Get loud. Welcome in our online family. Let them know we're glad that you guys are worshiping with us as well. And Christmas is this week. Can you guys believe it? Is that not crazy? Christmas Day is Saturday. Christmas Eve is Friday. And we want you to make sure that First Church is part of your Christmas Eve celebration. So we've got a ton of worship services that we have planned. Well, four of them actually across two days. And so on Thursday, December the 23rd, Christmas Eve Eve, we're going to have our first Christmas Eve celebration, 6.30 p.m. That's just going to be on site here at our North Granite campus, but then on Friday, December the 24th, we're going to have three Christmas Eve services, 3.30, 5 o'clock, 6.30 p.m., and those are going to be both on-site and online. So we invite you to come to one of these services, bring friends with you, family, neighbors, whoever, even if you've got family members that are watching some or live somewhere else in the country, invite them to watch online as well on Christmas Eve. It's going to be a special time with our church family. It is every single year, and I I can't wait. But I'm also excited to be here with you guys today because this is week three of our Christmas series, The Joy of Heaven. And as we get started, I just want to begin with a question that probably we need to ask, especially this time of year, and it's this, how you feeling? I mean, honestly, right now, at this point in December, how you doing? How are you feeling right now? Because I know when some people hear that Christmas is this week, like they get all excited. If I were to go up to our first kids upstairs and ask those kids up there, hey, uh, how do you feel that Christmas is this week? I mean, they would be cheering and excited, I know. If I went down to our first year's ministry where our preschoolers are, they're going to be excited that Christmas is this week. But for some of us, when we hear Christmas is Saturday, Christmas Eve is Friday, uh, yeah, we might be a little bit excited but it also brings out some anxiety as well. And we're a little bit stressed, maybe a little bit nervous that everything's going to happen just the way we have it planned out. Because what I've realized the longer I live is that Christmas, well, it comes with some tension. Because even though this is a season where we're told we're supposed to be merry and bright, when we look around at the world, things aren't always merry and bright, are they? In fact, there's a lot of darkness around us at times, And especially this time of year, we get busy and stressed out. And sometimes, even though we're told this is the most wonderful time of the year, we don't always feel that way. Like, we don't always feel that things are merry and bright. And my family had an experience like this a few years ago. For those of you guys who know, we have a birthday party for Jesus every single year at First Church for our preschoolers and under. Our first year's ministry puts that on, and it's a great program. It's normally the first Sunday in December. And one big part of this program is there's this nativity scene set up where the kids can come and dress up like different people who were part of Jesus' birth. And so it's always a cute picture moment. This was the picture that my kids took this year. Now, Alex is actually a little bit too old to go to a birthday party for Jesus, but he gets to tag along because his sister still goes to it. But Alex was like a shepherd, and I think Shepherd Joseph, I think it's a shepherd, got a staff there. And then Addie was an angel, and that's a cute little picture, you know, that's a nice picture that you would text to grandparents or put up on social media. But I just want to let you know, it took us a while to get to this point, because three years ago, when we went to our first ever birthday party for Jesus, this is not how it played out. I want to show you how Addie responded to trying to take her picture. Take a look at this video. 
she was not having it. Obviously, she was not having it. And so it was supposed to be this picture-perfect moment, nice, sweet moment. Didn't happen. We didn't get our picture that year, okay? And I wonder, do you feel that way sometimes, especially this time of year? Like, everybody around you is holly and jolly, and you're just not there right now. And maybe the reason why you're not there is more than just seasonal stress, Maybe what you're dealing with is something a lot more serious, something that's not really a laughing matter at all. And I just want to let you know today that if you're there right now, where everybody else around you seems holly and jolly and you're not, Christmas is for you. In fact, the story of Jesus' birth is for you. Whether you're feeling holly or jolly or exhausted and weary, Jesus came for you. And the answer to whatever it is that you're dealing with right now, whether it's stress, anxiety, pain, hurt, whatever, whatever you're dealing with right now, the answer to it is Jesus. And no amount of nostalgic Christmas holiday songs or no amount of looking at lights on a tree is going to bring you what you need and what you're looking for. But He can and He will if you will embrace Him today. Because I believe The message of Christmas is this. The message of Christmas is that no matter how you feel right now, Jesus came for you. Whether you're holly or jolly or weary and exhausted, there's a place for you in the story of Jesus. And he wants you to have a role in it. Because he wasn't born just to bring us occasional once a year holiday cheer. He was born to bring us inner joy that's greater than anything we face in this world that gives us hope even in the midst of not-so-wonderful circumstances. And I think that was the message that was first announced on the night that Jesus was born to some guys who were doing their job in the field, some shepherds who were watching over their sheep, and it's the message that they needed to hear that night, and I believe it's the message that we need to hear as well today. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and look up with me in Luke chapter 2. That's where we're going to study today, and this is a familiar passage. If you've been in church at all during the Christmas season, you're probably familiar with this text, but I want to look at it again because I think every time we look at it, it speaks to us. God has something to say to us through it. And so basically in Luke chapter 2, what's going on is Mary and Joseph have already had their lives interrupted by an angel from God. An angel has appeared to both of them and said, Mary is going to become pregnant and she's going to give birth to God's son. And so Mary and Joseph are obedient to what the angel tells them to do. And now nine months have passed and it's time for Mary to give birth to Jesus. But here's the thing, Mary and Joseph, they find themselves in a strange town. They find themselves in this little town called Bethlehem. And Bethlehem is not where they were from. They were from the town of Nazareth. But you see, there's a census being taken right now in the Roman world. And Joseph's family origin came from Bethlehem. And so they had to make this long journey back to Bethlehem in order to be counted in this Roman census. And so while they're there in this strange town, which by the way is packed full of people because normally this many people weren't in this little town, but because of what's going on in their culture, a lot of people are there to get counted and so when by the time they arrive there are no places left for them to stay and you're probably familiar with what happened 
Mary and Joseph end up having to stay in a place where animals were kept, a stable or a barn of some sort, and that's where Jesus, the Son of God, the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Alpha and the Omega, is born. And I want you to notice what Luke says about this. He says, while they were in Bethlehem, the time came for Mary to have the baby, and she gave birth to her first son. Because there were no rooms left in the inn, she wrapped the baby with pieces of cloth and laid him in a feeding trough. Now, the version that you're reading from right now may not say feeding trough. It probably uses the word manger. The version that I typically use says manger as well. But I picked this translation for a reason. Because I think we've heard this so often that we've kind of romanticized the word manger. That the image of Jesus being laid in a manger has kind of become this endearing image. And it's lost some of its meaning over time. And that's why I chose this translation. Because what we need to remember, what we need to understand is that this manger that Jesus was laid in, it was a feeding trough. It was the place where animals got their food. They ate from it. As nasty and disgusting and dirty as that sounds, that's where Jesus, the Son of God, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, that's where he was placed when he first entered our world. Because of all the chaos and craziness that was taking place around him. Do you feel the tension here? You get it? That's the world that Jesus was born into. And the reason why I use this translation, feeding trough, because I wanted us to get this. I didn't want us to skip over this because we're used to mangers being nice and ceramic and we put them on top of our pianos or whatever, you know. That's what we're used to. But I I didn't want this to be lost in translation. Last Sunday, my family got to go and see the Nutcracker in downtown Tulsa. And we went there because of my daughter, Addie. She's in the dance right now, and so we wanted her to see it. She wanted to see it. She watches it on YouTube all the time. So we got tickets so she could experience the nutcracker. But my son, Alex, who's eight years old, he wanted nothing to do with the nutcracker. That was not his thing. He's a sports guy, and he complained about it the entire time. And so I kept trying to coach him along and be like, hey, buddy, it's going to be okay. Your sister goes to a lot of ball games for you, okay? It's going to be all right. And I wanted him to have a good attitude, but he really didn't, honestly. And we got there, and we got our seats. And so the first half of the play takes place, and then it came to intermission. And so the curtains closed and the lights come on and Alex looks at me and he goes, is it over? And I was just like, no, buddy, it's just intermission. And he looks at me and goes, intermission? What's intermission? And I wanted to use language he could understand. So I said, well, it's like halftime, buddy. It's halftime right now. And he said, you mean we got a whole other half of this thing? And I'm like, yeah, we do. And so he didn't really say anything. He slumped down in his seat. You could tell he was depressed. And then he looked back at me and he goes, dad, I sure hope there's not an overtime. (laughs) I was like, don't worry, buddy. I don't think there will be. I don't think so. I don't know. I haven't been to many plays myself, but I don't think so, honestly. But I wanted to use language that he could understand. Halftime. He got that. You know, that was in his world. And that's the thing. I wanted to use this translation of feeding trough today because don't miss the situation that Jesus was born into. And as we move on, there's other things that I don't want us to miss that I think sometimes are lost over the years as well. In fact, what happens next has often been lost. As we read on, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Now get this. We just find out from Luke, inspired by God, that Jesus, the Son of God, has been born. 
And he's been born into some kind of odd circumstances. He's placed in a manger, a feeding trough. And then that's it. Like, we're not given any more details about Jesus. We're not told how much he weighed. We're not told how long he was. We're not told his eye color or the exact time of his birth or anything like that. We're not told how Mary's doing. We're not given any more details. And it's odd to me, we're not given any more details about what is the greatest moment in history up until this point. The Son of God coming into our world as a man. We're given no other details. Instead, God kind of changes scenes. And we go from Jesus born and placed in a manger to, and there were shepherds. We interrupt this life-changing, earth-shattering, history-making news to tell you about some roughneck shepherds that are watching their sheep. Isn't that kind of odd? I mean, we've heard this so often that we've just kind of romanticized this whole story. Oh, it's so sweet, shepherds out in the fields, whatever. But this, if you were reading this for the first time in the first century world, you'd probably be like, what is going on here? Why the jump? Why jump and talk about shepherds? Well, I think there's a reason why God interrupts this story of his son's birth to tell us about shepherds. I think it's because God wanted them to be part of the story. That in order for the story of his son's birth to have its full meaning, guys like shepherds needed to be there. So let's read on and see what the passage says. It says, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, to these shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. So get this, the only people that received a personal invitation to come and see Jesus on the night he was born were shepherds, people who were completely excluded from the rest of proper society. Because again, like I said, we romanticize shepherds, but I want you to really understand who these shepherds were in this day and age. They were outcasts. They were social rejects. You didn't choose the life of being a shepherd. You were a shepherd because you couldn't do anything else. See, shepherds, they were guys, most of them, who got in trouble at some point in their lives, and nobody else would hire them to do a job. So they had to settle for being a shepherd. It was a dirty job. It was a stinky job, as you can imagine. You smell like sheep. And it was a job that no mama wanted her boy to grow up to do. They weren't respected. They were looked down upon. In fact, when shepherds came to town, because they would spend weeks at a time, sometimes months at a time, outside with sheep, when they would come back to town, families would stay away from them. They were dirty. They were nasty. They were rowdy. They were wild. Imagine just a bunch of guys who spent time out in the fields by themselves when they would come back to town. No mom wanted their boy to grow up to be a shepherd. Shepherds were considered religiously unclean which meant that they weren't able to participate in temple worship, temple sacrifices. So again, get this, they were raising the animals that the people would sacrifice, but they weren't permitted to participate in those sacrifices. And they were considered so untrustworthy that they weren't allowed to testify in a court of law. 
Shepherds would come back from the fields with these wild tales of things that they saw out when they were by themselves watching their sheep. Nobody believed these tales. They were so untrustworthy that they literally could not testify in a court of law. So God decides to reveal the news of his son, the birth of his son, to these rough misfits who not only lived on the outskirts of town, but who lived on the margins of society. And we can understand why they respond at first the way that they do. Did you catch how they responded? It says in the passage that when the angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them, they were terrified. And we can understand why. This is a rough crowd. This is not a very moral crowd, okay? These were guys who had gotten into trouble in the past and were still probably constantly in trouble. This was a rough group of dudes. And so, when an angel appears to them, I mean, it's very likely that that angel interrupted a couple of them telling a dirty joke, honestly. I mean, that's the crowd that we're dealing with here. And so when this angel appears to them, we can understand why they were terrified. Because it's the kind of feeling that you get when you're driving down the road at night and all of a sudden the blue and red lights come on behind you. You know you're in trouble, right? Your assumption is, I've done something wrong. And so imagine if God were, were to appear to you. If God all of a sudden appeared to you either through an angel or some other means and wanted to speak directly to you and tell you directly something, would you assume that the message that he was going to give you is good news or bad news? These shepherds, knowing the type of lives that they lived, they assumed it was bad news. They didn't want to hear from this angel. This is not going to be good. And so they were terrified. In fact, they were so afraid that it hurt. I mean, that's why the old King James Version says, and they were sore afraid. Uh, not really, that's a joke. That's not what that means. I was, I'm just kidding. So if you've ever wondered what it means, sore afraid, that word sore is just an old way of saying they were very, very afraid, okay? That's a bad joke. I should have cut it after the first service. But anyway, I'll move on. Uh, this is a better translation. Look at the English Standard. It says, and they were filled with great fear. It's not just that they were kind of afraid. They were full of fear, so much so that it overflowed from them. And that's why this angel says to them, he says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. See, what these guys needed to know is God isn't giving you bad news. The angel is letting them know, I am here to give you good news. And you know what that good news is? A Savior has been born to you. That's right, you. It's not just that a Savior has come to rescue the world in a general sense. Or a Savior has come to rescue just the good people out there, those who are considered to be the good people. No, a Savior has been born for you. That's right, you shepherds, you. You're part of that all people that God has come for. And maybe that's what you need to hear today. It's what the shepherds needed to hear. And maybe that's what you need to hear today, that a Savior has been born for you. Yes, I mean you. Because when I think about the Christmas message, I'm reminded of this great truth. Jesus came for even me. 
He didn't come just for everybody else. He came for them too. But he came for me. So why does God interrupt the story of Jesus' birth to tell us about these roughneck shepherds? It's because this is a picture of what Jesus' mission is all about. Do you remember what Jesus said years later when he starts to teach and preach? He says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. In other words, Jesus came for those who are hurting Jesus came for those who have made mistakes. Jesus came for those who have a past. Jesus came for those who are far from God. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. He came to include those who have been excluded. Those who have been excluded from society. Those who have been excluded from their families. Those who have been excluded from God. He came to rescue them and let them know that they have a place in God's family and His kingdom. And so what better way to launch the ministry and the mission of Jesus than to at the very beginning announce His birth to guys who have been excluded from everything. To include these shepherds who had been excluded from everything and excluded by everyone else. See, I think sometimes we get the Christmas message kind of mixed up in our culture today because what we tell our kids, what we hear on TV and hear others talk about is that Christmas is for good little boys and good little girls who do what's right. And when they are good this time of year and throughout the rest of the year, then they will be rewarded by being placed on the nice list and they'll be excluded from the naughty list, right? That's what we teach our kids. And so if you're good enough, then you can receive good gifts. And I don't want to mess with your Christmas traditions or anything like that, but honestly, that is the exact opposite of the good news of Jesus Christ. See, the good news of Jesus Christ is that Jesus came for everyone. Everyone, everywhere. Jesus came for broken people and hurting people and abused people and forgotten people and misguided people, messed up people, people with a past, marginalized, flawed, sinful people like the shepherds and like you and me. Jesus came for all people, even me. That's the message of Christmas. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's what these shepherds needed to hear. Maybe it's what you need to hear today. Did you notice what happened next in our passage? It says, after the angel makes this announcement, it says, suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth Peace to men on whom his favor rests. This is how I picture this. Like this one angel is given the task of making the initial announcement. And then all the other angels, they're hiding behind the curtain. And they're waiting for their moment to come out because they want to join in the celebration. Kind of like little kids, you know, when they're trying to hide but they want to jump out. My daughter Addie loves to scare me when I come home from the office in the evenings. And so it's almost every night. I'll walk in the door 
Alex and Allison, they're out doing something, but I can't find Addie anywhere. And I'll walk through the door, and immediately I start to hear giggling because she's so excited. You know, she just can't wait to jump out and scare Daddy. So I'll play along, even though she's giggling, and I'll say, where's Addie? Where's Addie? Where's she at? And then eventually she'll jump out, and I'll act like I'm scared, and she loves it. She just laughs. But she's so excited, she can't contain her joy. And that's the way I feel like these angels are. I mean, they're waiting behind the curtain for this one angel to make the initial announcement. Go ahead and do it, buddy. Go ahead and do it because we can't wait to join in the party. And as soon as he says when he needs to say, they just start pouring out. In fact, the language used in the Greek says that armies of angels appeared that night. I think this whole huge group of angels appeared because for thousands of years, they've been waiting for this moment. For thousands of years, they had seen sin mess up people's lives. For thousands of years, they had seen the hurt and the pain and the agony and the suffering that sin had caused within God's creation. And they knew God had a plan. And they'd been waiting and waiting for Him to carry out this plan. And finally, God comes to earth as a man. This is the moment that they had been waiting for. And when the Son of God was born, when Jesus entered into our world, they couldn't wait to join in the celebration. They couldn't contain their joy. And so they announced in, in surround sound, glory to God in the highest. Because they couldn't contain their joy. And they knew what this moment meant for those shepherds. And they knew what this moment meant for you and me. This was going to change everything. And I wonder if it's changed everything for you. Because when those angels did shout out and Dolby surround sound that night, I think we learn, even though we may love the song, that that old Christmas song, Silent Night, is actually inaccurate. There was nothing silent about that night. The heavens were rejoicing, and soon these shepherds are going to be rejoicing as well. It says that they go to Bethlehem to see what the angels had told them about, and when they got there, they found Mary and Joseph and Jesus, and the scripture goes on to tell us this. It says, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Now, here's what's interesting. These shepherds, they didn't have a whole lot of credibility, remember? They weren't considered trustworthy. Nobody believed their stories. And yet, they went out and told everyone about what they had just experienced. Why? Because the proper response to good news is to spread it. The right response to good news is to share it. Have you ever had good news that you just couldn't keep in? That's these shepherds. And what's interesting is, even though they didn't have a whole lot of credibility, even though they were considered untrustworthy, even though they were known for their tall tales, and most of the time shepherds got no respect whatsoever, apparently they did a really good job telling about Jesus because the passage says that everyone who heard their testimony was amazed. I bet nobody in Bethlehem had ever been amazed by these shepherds before. But that night they were amazed. You know why? Something was different about what they were talking about. Something had changed. These men had been transformed. And I think the Bible tells us what had happened to them. If you look at verse 20, it says, The shepherds went back 
full of joy. They thanked God for all they had heard and seen. You know what was different about these shepherds? They had the joy of heaven within them. Here's the, here's the thing. These shepherds, they were still going to have to go back and take care of sheep. Their careers didn't change because they met Jesus. Their physical situation hadn't changed. They were still poor. They still were going to be disrespected. They still were going to be smelly and stinky. Their physical circumstances had not changed. But something inside of them had changed to the point that everybody wanted to hear what they were talking about. And I want you to notice the contrast here. When the angel first appears, it says that they were filled with great fear. Remember that? And now, after meeting Jesus, it says that they're full of joy. The fear within them is replaced with the joy of heaven. And that's what God wants for us to have as well. Listen, there are times that the world around us is not going to be holly and jolly and merry and bright. I get that. And even though the song may say it's the most wonderful time of the year, this may not feel like the most wonderful time of the year for you. But even though the circumstances around us may be bad because of the sin that exists in this world, we, because of Jesus, could have an inner joy that gives us peace and comfort and satisfaction because we know that we're not living for what's around us. We are living for something greater that God has an eternity planned out for us with Him, that He loves us, that He has a greater purpose for our lives, and that He claims us as His own. That's what the shepherds found out that night. And even though they were living in horrible circumstances, nothing could take away the joy that was within them. And again, I want to ask, are you experiencing that type of joy today? Because the whole reason why Jesus came was so that you, yes, you, could have that inner joy. And when you have that joy, it will overflow, and that contagious joy will change the lives of the people around you. See, contagious joy, it changes lives, it changes people, it changes communities, it changes nations. Contagious joy is powerful because people want what we have because when they see us in not so great circumstances still have an inner peace and satisfaction that this world can't offer, they want to know how we got that. There was a church a few years ago that posted a picture on social media of their outdoor nativity set or scene and this stray dog in the middle of the night one night come and made his home there. He snuggled up next to the baby Jesus. And I think that's a real cute picture. And nobody wanted to make him move because it was such a peaceful sight. And you know, that really is a picture of peace, isn't it? And honestly, I think Jesus was happy because it wasn't a cat. Sorry, had to throw that in there. That was for Jacob Zonke, our media director, because he's a big cat lover. So, sorry, Jacob. Had to throw that in there for you. Hey, listen, it's a joke. Don't send me emails, okay? Cats are fine. They won't be in heaven, but they're fine. So, anyway. <laughs> sorry. Okay, I'll move on. Anyway, I love that scene. I love that picture because I think that's what the shepherds experience. Total peace. Total comfort. Even though everything else around them was crazy and chaotic, they had a peace that they could not experience.
explain. You guys know that tornadoes ravaged parts of Kentucky and other states as well. Just left massive destruction. And we are doing a dollar drive today. And I appreciate you guys being part of that dollar drive to help out those who are hurting right now those different parts of the country. The reason why I'm wearing my Kentucky shirt today is not just because Kentucky stomped North Carolina in basketball yesterday, even though they did. In case you're wondering, 29 points, okay? We stomped them yesterday. But that's not the reason why I'm wearing it. I'm also wearing it to support those in the state that I come from that are really hurting right now because that state is hurting. And we're doing a dollar drive right now to do our part. We're going to have teams that go in the future. We're going to do more than just a dollar drive. But I appreciate all the love that you guys are showing for people that you don't even know because that's what the church is all about. But what was interesting is I was on social media this week and I know a guy who's an insurance agent in the state of Kentucky and he was down in the western part of the state kind of looking over examining all the destruction and apparently somebody on his team found a Bible. This is a picture of the Bible that they found and he said it was found in a tree and it was open to this page right here. And I want you to notice the last verse on this page. It says, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Now, none of us want to experience the devastation of a tornado or terrible storm. And we wouldn't wish that on anybody either. But an event like that reminds us how temporary things are. And it reminds us that this world that we see around us, it will be gone one day. And so much of what we put our faith in and our stock in, it will be gone one day. So much of what we live for is here one day, and it can be gone in an instant, gone the very next. And what are you putting your hope in? Something that is temporary, that's here one day and gone the next? Or something that lasts for all eternity. That's why Jesus came. Because he saw us in our misery. He saw us in our pain. He saw what sin had done to us and he couldn't stand it anymore. And so he came so that we could live for something more. And the shepherds that night realized it. And I wonder if you've realized it today. Because 2,000 years ago, I doubt if anybody thought we would be talking about those roughneck shepherds. But 2,000 years later, we're still talking about them. You know why? Not because of their wealth, not because of their prestige, not because of their successful careers, not because of what was in their bank account or the stuff that they own, not because of their pedigree or anything like that. The reason why we're still talking about those shepherds 2,000 years later, those no-name shepherds, is because they had joy that was contagious, that spread to everyone around them, and it's still spreading across the world today. Jesus came so that you, yes, you, could experience the joy of heaven. Are you willing to embrace him today so that you can overflow with it. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much for today and this opportunity we've had to open up your word. I pray, Father, that we will be a people that overflow with joy because we know that in the midst of 
the most difficult circumstances, we can still have an inner joy that comes from you that this world can't offer us and can't even explain. And so I pray that everyone in this room, before they leave here today, will seek you and embrace the joy that your son came to bring into our lives. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.